News Radio's commentary, not just another podcast. Uh, the Ordinary the Big Ball Podcast. Last one there's the penis pump. Now I'm totally going so fast. Oh, fuck! Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett, on the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast, episode 34, all the geeky news you can use from the West Coast. This is Kyle Abair. I'm an anime and video game voice actor, heard most recently in Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F. And your co-host on the East Coast, Otherworld Steve. And that can be heard on the previous episode of the Big Ball Broadcast as Otherworld Steve. And Kyle, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm really going to tip my hat to our listeners out there because we are like smashing download records over on Smodcast. People are discovering us, so thank you, each and every one of you listening to us, whether it's on the live stream or uh, are you picking up uh, on our, our past episode archive on Smodcast.com, wherever you're finding us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, giving us your time so we can go into your heads and then fill it with nice geeky talk to uh, whatever you're doing. You're just chilling at home or you're on a long commute to work or school or wherever the fuck you're doing. You know, we really, really appreciate you uh, sending and spreading the love to the BBB. I can't even add anything that was so eloquent. I'm so touched by that that I'm just going to let that stand the way it was. You know, yeah, yeah. Usually I am always lacking when I'm forced to come up with something on my own because I'm a voice actor. I'm used to having scripts in front of me. But um, if you're a good voice actor worth your salt, you should also be good at improvising shit. I took it as being very sincere and from the heart. That's good because it was, truly. For the uh, our hardcore fans who join us on our live stream, we want to give shout-outs to Alan S., Robert J., and uh, whoever else will pop up in here, because uh, we like to do our chats. Now, basically, on uh, Wednesday evenings, generally speaking, you can listen to us live as we record each new episode. And uh, if you want to get the link to our live stream, you can just simply follow our Twitter, at BB Broadcast. And if you're social media shy, no worries. You can also reach us at thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Give us comments, questions, feedback. We want to hear it good, bad, indifferent. We don't care. We just want to know that someone out there, within the sound of our voice, with the power of the interwebs, is hearing us. And uh, obviously you guys are, because our numbers are jumping. So thank you again so very much. And I haven't received any hate mail. (laughs) We don't have any big critics. So if you've been on the fence waiting just to really rant on somebody, I'll take that too. Yeah, back in the back in the early days of like Led Zeppelin, I think it was Robert Plant that said, "You haven't made it till you're bootlegged, right?" And uh, what's the equivalent now? It's like you haven't made it until you're trolled. And basically, is that the uh, internet equivalent? Or memed, I guess. I could go for a good BBB meme. If you guys want to create memes, get to it and spread the word and send it to us at BB Broadcast. We will retweet the shit out of that. And get it out there so that people know. What the hell's the BBB? Big Ball Broadcast. What's big and bald about it? I don't know, but it's cool. You know, I'd go as far to say that we should make a contest out of it. I have some uh, some assorted DVDs here from uh, wonderful voice actors of Funimation. Uh, I have some that are signed by members of the cast. Uh, I won't say what DVDs or what cast, but I will say, let's meme this fucker out. You can post on our Facebook page. Or Twitter, BB Broadcast at Twitter, and we'll pick a winner. And the winner will get a little grab bag from Other World Steve. Thank you, Funimation, for um, the uh, the anime love. So if you're a big anime fan, you like what you hear on the Big Ball Broadcast, create a meme. That's a good idea. We haven't done a contest before. Maybe we get a whole shit more listeners because people are all about free shit, right? Free shit's the best shit. So Robert J. in our chat has said, Constantine and Arrow Season 4, woot! Yeah, that's that's a lovely announcement. 
that was kind of teased when NBC dropped Constantine for renewal for a new season, or even to finish out the damn first season, goddammit, um, <laughs> a few months back. And it was teased by the showrunner on his own Twitter account that they were actually shopping around uh, because NBC is owned by Universal. And uh, we're thinking, okay, maybe it could go to the CW since the DC stuff is there, like Arrow and Flash. Why not bring that DC TV universe together and have some and, and keep the character alive that way? Maybe because Arrow has done so much better and is further along, maybe uh, we could bring back some interest in the character of John Constantine. I think this is a brilliant move. Matt Ryan is confirmed to come back for one episode, and let's just be thankful. I mean, it would be great if he would just keep showing up, and I know, but I don't think the supernatural element really. Uh, really uh plays into the dynamics of the arrow universe so much but i guess obviously it will for at least one episode because why else would you have this occult expert of john constantine even showing up but hey this is this is nice and robert j says nbc you have failed this in every city that's very true but them being open to it and and, and allowing a property that's canceled because you know you go back to the Firefly example from Fox. It's like they shut down a Kickstarter by the fans to bring back a new season of Firefly. It's like, okay, well, you canceled it, yet you own it, and it's just kind of a dick move. But look what NBC's doing. The fans are hardcore, and they're dedicated, and they want to see this character come back in some form. They want to see it continue. And I am one of those hardcore fans of the series Constantine. I suggest you go back and and find it. If it's on Hulu, stream it. Uh, it's not on Netflix yet. It's not available on, on Blu-ray or, or DVD yet. But I'm sure it's going to sell like hotcakes once it does because that grassroots fandom community, especially in the day of social media nowadays, can make or break a show. Well, you know, what immediately popped into my mind was, look what Ryan Reynolds did over at Fox with Deadpool. That was a fan response, absolutely. And it was so great to see... Reynolds take the stage at Comic-Con this year, and before he said anything else, thank the fans. He was really uh, uh, humble about it. Thank you for making this happen. It was your voice being heard at the, the studio that made this happen. And I think that's the holdout you're getting with Constantine. I think they know absolutely on social media people are clamoring to bring this character back. So maybe this is something a little akin to um, bringing Punisher and a Daredevil. And if there's enough demand, if the fans are really going to freak the fuck out about it, maybe there'll be some incentive to reboot this thing. People aren't freaking the fuck out about Fantastic Four. The new reboot is doing dismally <laughs> in box office returns and critical and fan feedback as well. I just had a feeling. It's like, I don't have enough interest to quite pay the ticket. It's like, it looked pretty good as, as each trailer would come out. And then the worst thing happened. It was released upon the public, and people said, not only is it bad, it's not a good bad. It's just a bad bad. It's a squandered opportunity where there's actually good chemistry amongst the cast early on in the film. Now, again, I'm not speaking from personal experience. I've not seen Fantastic Four, but the basic consensus seems to be it's just a wasted opportunity. There's just so much that just eventually goes wrong. Uh, it's, it's basically one big set piece at the end and, and, and things just don't really add up to much where, where people just aren't invested and just don't fucking care. And it doesn't help matters much on the time of release when the director himself tweets, albeit quickly deleted, but you know, this is the internet. Nothing gets deleted. So when you tweet about the movie probably not being that good, I've read some analyst reports today that have said that his tweet alone 
may have cost the studio tens of millions of dollars. That that alone was enough to have people say, eh, I'm going to pass. I had a much better movie when I was, <laughs> you know, early on before Too Many Cooks in the Kitchen took over. Oh, let me just delete that real quick. Every geek site screen cap that had that on their front page, clickable, enlargeable versions and everything. Yeah, I could see that. That could certainly hurt a studio's bottom line. Some analysts going as far as saying maybe they just weren't ready or didn't care and this is all they need to do to fulfill their contract to retain the rights to those characters and make these movies. Maybe to a certain extent, it was intentional. Alan S. in our chat says, Fantastic Four got the worst rev- worse reviews than Pixels. And Pixels got some pretty bad reviews, too. And like you said, you know, it isn't bad, bad. And one reviewer, I believe it was from the New York Times, said while he was watching it, he was praying it would get to that point where it was like Ed Wood bad. So maybe you could at least enjoy that aspect. And he said, no, I just got to the point where it was very, very painful. Hero in our chat says, I saw it. It's a completely watchable movie, in my opinion. It's a monster movie, not a superhero movie. It was clearly cut to pieces in the editing room. One would assume those are some decisions made by suits at a desk as opposed to anybody who may have been remotely passionate to the project. I was also reading something where uh, the cast of the new Fantastic Four... They were just walking around in plain clothes at Comic-Con, and not a single fan recognized them. How would you respond to that? I mean, you're a a voice talent who can go to a convention and immediately be recognized. How do you feel when you're coming out in what's supposed to be a a blockbuster tentpole picture for your studio, and nobody knows who the fuck you are? Well, on one hand, you could say the check clear. They've already been paid for their work, but it's also simultaneously really kind of embarrassing, and I wonder if the cast even felt that vibe, if all this, this, this tension on the set and behind the scenes, if there's any truth to that, and there probably is, if that was going down, and maybe, you know, whether it was screenwriters going back and forth and changing dialogue and changing set pieces, and or, or the director just fucking melting down and losing it, whatever it was, I wonder if that didn't just kind of be an omen to the cast and crew at that time. They're like, by the time it comes to, you know, do the press rounds and start promoting this at Comic-Con, I wonder if people are going to see through the cracks. Do people understand, though? I mean, what's the liability to the careers of these actors in this film? Are people going to say, holy shit, you were in that abomination? One of the lowest opening superhero films ever? Does that mean your agent stops calling you? I think there's a chance for, quote, redemption. I I don't see why any of these actors couldn't just come away with with future projects it's not going to end their career because again it's not like it's going to be up for a razzie award so needless to say the director's not getting any more work <laughs> well yeah and that and that's a shame because josh trank did chronicle which was like the kind of the low budget akira a few years back and uh, the guy who's playing johnny storm in this movie was in chronicle and i'm thinking okay they reunited they did he had that but i mean it also has to do with the strength of the screenplay and everything and i think that when you don't have all the pieces in place obviously something's gonna kind of gonna fall apart you could argue that oh harrison ford's great and everything well all the movies that harrison ford's in they aren't great (laughs) some things just fall apart at a certain point there's only so much pull everyone can do in their respective uh things you could have a great direction or great visuals or even a great cast with great chemistry with a shitty screenplay and a story you don't care about and, and things just don't click. I don't know. I'm sitting here a little befuddled. And, and listeners, help me out here. Tweet us at BB Broadcast. I want to know what films Harrison Ford was in that weren't good. Mosquito Coast. Let's see. Henry. 
Uh, he had kind of a bad Irish accent in a movie with uh, Brad Pitt, I think. The fourth Indiana Jones movie. All right, all right. That was a dick punch. I retract everything. Hey, you know, uh, another studio film that sounded like gangbusters sounds like they're having a little trouble right now, too, and, and that's in reference to Skull Island. Apparently, Samuel L. Jackson is allegedly in talks to replace J.K. Simmons and John C. Riley may replace uh, Michael Keaton in the film. So that's all the information I have. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but when you talk about significant casting shakeups, I don't know. That doesn't bode well. And again, that's a project that no one really asked for. When Peter Jackson's King Kong remake came out, it didn't do that well. It certainly wasn't Lord of the Rings money. I don't see people clamoring for it like, I want to see Skull Island. I want to see, you know, other big monsters beating the shit out of each other. You know, after you see something like Pacific Rim or or even the Godzilla reboot and, and the promises, that screenwriter who did the 2014 one going, we heard the fans, we're going to make it better, we're going to make it bigger, there's going to be all the monsters you love from the old kaiju films and all that. I love the power of social media and the fans. It's like, we can get the pulse right here. What do we need? What is the magical recipe that will please fans, that will make them say, take our money? Apparently, part of that recipe is rebooting A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I know you've got to be ridiculously excited about this, because... David Leslie Johnson is the writer of the recent Poltergeist reboot, and I know you enjoyed that immensely, so you've got to be just waiting to get your tickets in advance for this. I'm so thrilled with the Poltergeist reboot, I didn't even see it. (laughs) I just read everything and heard everything. It's like, this movie, again, squandered opportunity and pointless. Pointless. Completely pointless. It's like, hey, Rob Zombie's rebooting Halloween. Why? Why the fuck would you do that? Did you see the last Nightmare reboot? Because I sure as fuck didn't. But did I, you I did. To- I did on opening night. Packed house. People were clapping at some of the creative kills and everything. And I think uh, uh, Jackie Earl Haley, really good actor. I think he was great in the role, too. And I've, I've heard that this third reboot, or this next reboot, uh, will have, like, Robert England show up in a cameo, at least playing an older version of the character. And, again, who asked for this? Not me. I think the Friday the 13th reboots were kind of enough to show that. you got to bring something new to the table. It's, it's a different time. It's a different age. Absolutely, these are characters from our golden age of horror movies. They, they were, you know, of insurmountable importance growing up. But I think it culminated in Jason versus Freddy, and after that, to really touch either of these characters and to not have Robert England portraying this iconic character, it's absolutely pointless. Having said that, one thing I'm, I'm still kind of on the, the fence on is this um, X-Men TV series. What I can tell you is that Fox co-chairman Dana Walden did confirm that they are pursuing a, quote, long-running live-action X-Men project, and that it should be announced in the very near future. Now, the project would leverage Fox's ownership over the rights of mutant characters, so there wouldn't be any characters still by Marvel and DC appearing, but basically anybody you've seen on the big screen so far that's a mutant, they have potential of showing up in the series. So, again, I don't know, as I've been very adamant about, DC owns it. They kill it on TV, and with the direct-to-video market, Marvel hasn't been that strong, and I know that they have some good stuff out there, um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, and Agent Carter, but they don't seem to be getting the, the attention of the accolades that a lot of the DC properties are. So it'll be interesting to see what Fox can do, and especially without the involvement from Marvel and Disney on the small screen. And of course, we got to say that Marvel is also just kicking ass just with Daredevil. 
on Netflix, and that's about to pop open with all the other forthcoming things. You know, you got a season two of Daredevil where Punisher's going to show up. We, you know, the actor who played Shane in The Walking Dead. People are really excited about that casting news and the future of the Marvel, not only cinematic universe, but TV universe as well. With the X-Men stuff, it's always a worry at the back of my head. Things will get watered down in a TV series, in a, in a TV version. Um that they lose their edge, not necessarily just in violence or, or, or dropping an F-bomb here and there. Too many TV execs, too many cooks in the kitchen come in throwing their, their two cents in for what they think the people want to see. My bigger concern is I don't think that you're going to see some of these A-list characters on the small screen. I, I really don't think you're going to get some of the talent, at least, to appear on the television series. The, the money that, that would end up tying up would be ridiculous and I think it's going to be more of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing where you're going to see more secondary, tertiary (laughs) characters really far behind the scenes. Maybe the janitor that cleans up the X-Mansion after a long day. (laughs) You're not going to see Wolverine and and Cyclops and Jean Grey, you know. So I I hope they can still bring something interesting to the table without some of the names we're more familiar with. I'm just thinking about janitors who's cleaning mutant poop all the time. Some mutants probably poop a lot differently than most people, so I'm sure it gets very interesting. Yeah, does Nightcrawler poop blue? These are the hard-hitting questions. He poop while he's teleporting? Hero says the janitor analogy is perfect for the mistakes they make with spinoffs. And then we also have Trunks Chica in our chat room going, hashtag Team Daredevil. I haven't talked to anyone or read anyone going, Daredevil sucks. This is terrible. There's not one. That's amazing. You know, again, not to, to find a single criticism about something that really probably by all rights should have failed from go. But you got Batman of the Marvel Universe, basically. <laughs> there he is. Hero also says in our chat, uh, Agent Carter is much better than S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, yeah, that's, 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 that's difficult to argue. S.H.I.E.L.D. took a while to find its footing. But once it did, it's a really solid show. And I'm way behind on it, unfortunately. Trucks Chica says, Sam Jackson was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's A-list. Granted, they're cameos. He's not in it that much. But I got to say, it's, it's really uh, an awesome thing when you can have the likes of Sam Jackson popping up even for five minutes of exposition and then then going away for six episodes because let's face it the money involved just to get him to, to, to grace the screen is probably ludicrous it's like we uh we'll just um we'll we'll shoot something without any CG this week <laughs> we'll just do something very dialogue heavy uh because we have to cover his uh, appearance fee and you know some people are, are very vocal about that being a concern going forward you talk about how ridiculously popular daredevil is and maybe punisher will get a spin-off and well what happens if that happens what happens if all of a sudden they, these characters start getting incorporated into their respective cinematic universes then they're not so cheap anymore then it's kind of hard to keep that that netflix or that television thing going uh perpetually because now their agents are saying oh no 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 you know, that film just took in $300 million. Now you get to cough up a much larger salary. That's the problem in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <clears throat> and that's why you're going to see some of the more known Avengers die, disappear, go on hiatus. You're not going to see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man much longer. You're not going to see, you know, probably uh, Chris Evans as Captain America much longer. They're starting to, to branch out and do other things. And they're starting to really command some big bucks. And... There's going to be a tipping point in the studio at some point, so yay for replacements, I guess. Yeah, replacements and you know tapping new reservoirs, as it were, for up-and-coming talent. Now, MMA fighter Ronda Rousey made huge splash on social media with a 34-second win 
uh, most recently, and you're seeing memes about her. It's like how Vegeta was her. She's, she's a big anime fan. Vegeta was her first crush from Dragon Ball Z. Really, really cool. And she can kick your ass. And she's easy on the eyes. So uh, she made it known that she would love to play Captain Marvel. That's a character that I've also heard the chick who played Starbuck on the Battlestar Galactica reboot. She was kind of eyeing that as well. A new fight! And what's cool about her is really two things in particular. Is A, she's done some on-screen kick-ass shit. She's got a fight scene in Fast and Furious 7, um, and she's going to be featured in The Expendables 3, so kudos to her. But more importantly, she wants to do this. It's not the fans, it's not the studios, nobody's trying to niche target her. She's coming out. This was in a Reddit uh, AMA. She's like, yeah, fuck yeah, I want to do this. I want Miss Marvel. So make this happen, movie gods. Yeah, and Trunks Cheeky in our chat says Rhonda always would want to play a live action Android 18 if they do another DBZ live action movie. Which I have to, I have to laugh because someone said that Dragon Ball Evolution had a higher count on Rotten Tomatoes than the, than the Fantastic Four reboot. So does that mean we get a roast of Fantastic Four at conventions now? No, probably not because it's not that bad. It's just not good. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be that that perfect balance. Yeah, yeah, that's sad. Thinking about it, I can see where Dragon Ball definitely has the benefit. And then, okay, so she's touting for Captain Marvel. Meanwhile, Jared Leto, who will be lighting up the screens next year with Suicide Squad as the Joker, uh, apparently is doing some sort of groundswell movement uh, to ensure that he uh, stays locked into that character, yeah? You know, I think he's a fan of the Big Ball broadcast, and I think he listened to our last episode when we were talking about Alan Moore and Brian Ballin's epic uh, Killing Joke coming out as an animated film, reprising Mark Hamill's glorious voice of the Joker. He wants, I guess, to do this on the big screen, on, on a live-action basis, and he's been taking a lot of photos lately, dressed up in Joker's uh, tourist outfit from Killing Joke and posting them all the fuck over social media. It's, it's not even a wink and nod at this point. It's like the, the hammer coming down saying, come on, you know, we, if we're going to do this, let's go big. Um, I don't think that should stop any talk of an animated film coming out with Mark Hamill. I mean, fuck, that has to happen. Um, anything they do from that point, I really don't care. Yeah, and, you know, it's too soon to say whether his interpretation of the Joker will you know, re- resonate with fans the way that Heath Ledger's did, or will it tank? Will, will it totally tank? I don't see it tanking because he's a really, really good actor. The fans have been wrong before, dare I say wrong with quote air quotes. People have been skeptical about certain casting choices, and, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. Daredevil, Ben Affleck. Okay, I can think of worse comic book adaptations. A lot of people like to pick on Ben Affleck because of Daredevil, and because of that, they say he can't pull off Batman. But uh, there was a recent um, top-secret screening of uh, the earliest cut, I guess, of Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and uh, it got a standing ovation. I also heard that they were handing out um, forms to people in attendance, kind of rating different scenes and really getting in depth about their overall take. I've been thinking about this since the the news of how well Fantastic Four is doing is how many studios with movies in production are are running back to the editing room and saying, all right, we we know there's certain things we have to fix because we don't even want to mirror certain aspects to Fantastic Four. But Warner Brothers apparently has some faith in Ben Affleck because he is a proven commodity, you know, since Daredevil. You know, talk about a guy whose career has had up and downs and then a successful career in the 
director's chair as well. Warner Brothers has that kind of confidence now to say, Ben Affleck, not only are you the Dark Knight, let's put you behind the camera too. On paper, it looks great. I mean, you got to remember, this guy's won an Academy Award for Best Movie and a Golden Globe for Best Director, so... On paper, it looks like a really, really good idea. Here's the hiccup with Batfleck. He's going to direct this uh, Batman movie. This is already confirmed. Now it's being reported. It's highly likely he's going to be directing a Batman trilogy. I really don't have a problem with that because, let's face it, I've been pretty vocal. I'm not the first to rush out to see DC movies theatrically anyway. But um, the bigger concern is why. And the reason I'm asking why is because didn't we just have this big reboot in the DC universe because Superman is the flagship character? You know, that's what (laughs) we just went through. So that Superman could be... The, the one that brings everything together and, and Justice League and everything, and he's the tentpole. Um, it seems that DC has already lost faith in their Superman, and now they're going back to good old reliable hitch our wagon to Batman, because even if it's Batman and Robin with nipples on the suit, it's still going to make some money. Yeah, they'll get criticized, but they don't make enough money to, to demand a sequel. They're not talking about anybody coming in and directing a trilogy of Superman movies. Uh, Robert J. in our chat said he is co-writing. We're talking about Ben Affleck co-writing with DC's best writer, Jeff Johns. Now, that instills some confidence. When you get people who are, are currently just kicking ass in the, on the comic book side of it, uh, Jeff Johns, definitely very acclaimed, very popular writer on the DC side of things. Having his involvement makes perfect sense. But does it scare you at all, even as a casual moviegoer in the, the DC universe, that they've already like really switched up their allegiances to which characters they're going to back and, and, and really franchise out and the ones that were supposed to be more the background players. Given the box office performance of Superman, not only Man of Steel, but going back to Batman, or sorry, Superman Returns, you can see that uh, Warner Brothers and DC's confidence in that character seems to be waning. So it's like, let's go ahead and wrap Superman into the Justice League thing. We'll have the ensemble piece, uh, and maybe it'll it'll fare better. I mean, obviously, they have their eyes on creating an Avengers-like thing, and that's what Justice League exactly is and has been for many decades. I see why they would want to pull back and, and, and go back to a proven formula. Batman is a proven formula, thanks to the Chris Nolan trilogy. And Superman has to be the Hulk, and I think that's certainly the best way to approach him. It's hard to feel your characters in any real peril when he's practically God. So part of an ensemble team, that's great. Um, the standalones, they, they stopped making sense a long time ago. Meanwhile, other wacky <laughs> shit is going on behind the scenes. Now, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. It's a cult hit with adults... It's very popular. It continues to be a mainstay on the pop culture convention scene as well. And it looks like they've uh, the creators are um, eyeing the silver screen. The reason this caught me by surprise is I thought the hype had already faded from that. I didn't know that this was still a thing. But apparently this is a thing. It's coming to the big screen. Uh, Lionsgate is distributing. And there's going to be a new character introduced uh, specifically for this storyline. And presumably, presumably, there's also going to be toys that actually reflect the, the movie storyline more directly. So yeah, that's about it. Didn't know it was a thing, and it turned into a big thing. This has a bigger chance of success. Why? Because I go back to the Powerpuff Girls. Think about how popular that show was in the 90s. By the time the movie rolled around, 
it was years after the heyday. It was like it was a little too much too late, and it wasn't really generally well received. You got to strike while it's hot, and that's the that's the uphill climb that animators face because it takes time. You're you're hiring studios uh, typically in Korea to do your animation. Uh, and it takes time to, to come back and to, and to finalize. You can't just quick shoot something in 30 days and put it out there in, in, in less than two month window. It just can't happen. So, I mean, while I sympathize with studios that want to cash in on a craze, and let's be fair, if they want to do a, a My Little Pony movie, it's probably been talked about at least in the pre-production stages for longer than we've been discussing it, which is just today. You know what I mean? So the window, because it hasn't been quite as long, maybe uh, you're not having to rely on nostalgia so much as, you know, people say, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that show, instead of, oh, this is my childhood again or something. I agree, and I, I think that makes perfect sense. It's better to strike it this time than, I guess, wait 20 years, because uh, I don't know if you've been following what's going on with the Gem movie, but that just keeps getting worse and worse with each passing day, and... They're putting it back out to the fans, kind of a, you know, now you can be involved, be a part of this. And it's like, yeah, you already did this from the inception, and we're still not getting good news about this thing. Other things no one asked for, Mortal Kombat. So you had, what, two movies and a TV series. I only saw the first film in theaters. God, when was that first movie? Mid-90s, I want to say. I think a Mortal Kombat movie done well could be a good thing. I mean, so far we've got campy Mortal Kombat movies, which weren't necessarily a bad thing. I could still watch the first one and have some enjoyment, admittedly for the wrong reasons. But um, I think a Mortal Kombat movie done well with a decent budget could perhaps bring something to the table. Now, this has James Wan attached to it, and, and Wan is best known for Fast and Furious and Insidious. Unfortunately, this is also the guy that's going to be directing Aquaman for DC, so, you know, uh, I'm going to do something kind of rare here and say, I'm not going to judge it just yet. I probably won't judge this until I get to see a trailer because I'm actually kind of curious to see what he can bring to the table. And if that does well, God knows we'll see a Street Fighter live action movie yet again. You know, I think we're due for one. That's a property long past its reboot date. So like next February or March, Street Fighter Five will come out. Hopefully Capcom will call me <laughs> because I voice Ryu in the video game series, but I'm not, I'm not pitching myself on the live action world. God knows anyone who's seen me knows I know I look nothing like these characters. The Van Damme one sure was funny. Now there's a fine example of a movie that's so bad you can't actually enjoy it. Absolutely. I think Age of Ultron is going to turn into one of those movies. Reflecting on it, it wasn't very good. It was it was a lot of eye candy. I think story-wise, there's gaping plot holes I could drive my truck through. But I'm looking at our chat room. Sai Goto says, the fan-made Street Fighter films are way better than the ones that have been in theaters. It's like, yeah, leave it to, leave it to the fans. Even the fan-based DBZ stuff with live action is better than what Hollywood's cranked out. And I don't get it, and I don't know if that's loyalties... Or, or just the politics of Hollywood that, you know, very rarely do you hear about a, a big YouTube breakout actually uh, giving an opportunity. But some people make incredible fan shit. The, the Batman-Darth Vader thing was absolutely incredible. And I'd love to see more of that. I understand with the properties, yeah, you can't see that exactly. But I'd like to see that style, that direction, that, that feel. Um, 
I don't think enough of these up and comers are given those opportunities, even though they have this tremendous platform to showcase on. Yeah, I'm looking at our uh, our chat room, and again, they say Ruben Langdon is Ken. It's the only casting choice because Ruben Langdon actually looks like Ken, and he voices Ken too. I, however, look nothing like Ryu, so let's not go there. However, you sound exactly like Ryu. I would hope. <laughs> so you get the Ghostbusters reboot. Uh, with an all-female team of Ghostbusters, this movie, or this franchise, rather, has been going through production hell for well over a decade. You know, Dan Aykroyd teasing that we've got a script, we just got to, you know, find the right team to back it, and then we got to find the right cast, this, that, and the other. And then now the lenses are rolling with a female team with rumors that an all-male team companion film will be shot shortly after that. And then God knows what else. The whole Ghostbusters universe might blow up into a whole new bringing the cartoon back. God knows what else. Even more video games. It looks like there were reports that Bill Murray was reporting to the set of the new Ghostbusters movie. You know, I I keep asking myself the same question over and over. Was it getting beaten up by everybody or was it that tons and tons of money was thrown at him? Because this is the guy who, who went on David Letterman just earlier this year, and said that his hesitancy all stems from Ghostbusters 2 essentially sucking balls, and he really wanted nothing to do with the franchise after that. And he, he's, he was the holdout for bringing the original cast back together when they had an opportunity to do that. But the Hollywood Reporter, which I kind of take as a pretty decent source, is saying that the actor who played Peter Venkman in Ghostbusters uh, 1984 is going to be appearing in Paul Feig's upcoming installment of the franchise. I'd like to say I didn't see this coming, but I mean, something very, very great obviously worked out for Bill Murray for him to do this, and I think we all have a hard time kind of imagining a Ghostbusters film without Murray. And yeah, while it may kind of feel like some pandering, um, good on him, because he could be happy. He certainly doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to do anything at this point in his career. So maybe as just a just a nod to the fans, because people, if they love Ghostbusters, he is the main factor. People love that original cast. It's a shame that we're not going to get that original cast ever again, because we've already lost Harold Ramis, unfortunately, a few years ago. And, you know, the cast just busy doing d- different projects and whatnot. And let's face it. No one in mainstream movie-going fandom is really clamoring for a Ghostbusters sequel at this point. I, I don't know anyone who goes, I sure wish they'd make more Ghostbusters movies. No, but at the same time, I didn't hear anybody say, I wish they'd make more Jurassic Park movies. I'm still you know, hung up on that. I don't get how the fourth film in an installment, when the previous two sucked, becomes a, a giant record breaker. So, I mean, who knows? Uh, we may be going about this all wrong. Maybe this is exactly what people want. And maybe this is going to make tons and tons and tons of money. I don't know. I'm, I'm so fucking confused in, in today's movie market. If you live in the Los Angeles area and you are artistically inclined, not autistically, artistically inclined, I have to watch how I say things, and you're a Star Wars fan, listen up. This is a pretty cool uh, thing going down. If you guys are in the Los Angeles area, you're familiar with Gallery 1988, which I am so fucking envious of. We need one over in the Boston area. They're going to be doing a Force Awakens art show, and that starts pretty soon. Uh, But what they're doing is they're giving the fans an opportunity to be involved, and they just kicked off an event called Art Awakens. For the next two weeks, you're encouraged to submit your own artwork to Lucasfilm. The winners will not only be featured in the exhibit, but they'll also be flown out to Los Angeles to attend the opening. So... 
that's very kick-ass for Star Wars, very kick-ass for the fans, because God knows, you know, the second the first trailer launched, I couldn't believe all the fan art all over the place, mostly a BB-8, who can blame him, because he's so fucking cute. All the original pieces at the end of the show are going to be auctioned off, um, and all the proceeds are going to Star Wars Force for Change, which benefits UNICEF Kid Power. So it's just, it's win, win, win. You, you can get your shit hung in a gallery. That's a pretty cool accolade to uh, be able to throw at people. There's already plenty of imagery and footage out there floating to let the imagination roam. Just jaw-dropping art has been out there since the first teaser trailer dropped in Thanksgiving. So cool to see this shit. Even fan mashup shirts from sites like T-Fury and Ripped Apparel with BB-8, and I'm all over that shit i'm getting like force awakens mashup fan shirts and everything because i want to get in before you see the glut of the official merchandise (laughs) after star wars day i I think is coming pretty darn soon did you hear that one retailer in the uk fucked up broke street date and there's uh micro machines (laughs) force awakens merch out there i saw that and i saw that even before that another retailer fucked up um in the states i I forget where exactly and they put the um, price pegs out so even though the actual products were on the shelf you get to see the names of all the products along with the price points for each one. So you know it's too bad because most movies, I really don't mind the spoilers. I was pretty spoiler-heavy going into uh, Age of Ultron. But this is when I don't want spoilers to. I, I want to really take that George Lucas approach. And only what you deliberately want to show me will I look at. And everything else I'm going to save to savor this December. And again, very rare I have that attitude with the film, but it's it's fucking Star Wars. Let's not have the Marvel adaptation out three months before the movie hits. This is what I what, what I did with Return of the Jedi in 1983. I'm sitting there reading the comic, spoiling the whole damn movie. But I'm hearing that a lot of these toys are going to be on the shelves before the premiere of the movie, and that concerns me because you know as well as I do, all it takes is one shitty half paragraph on the back of a toy's packaging to blow the whole fucking film for you. That sucks. Now I would say the easiest fix is to just not go down the toy aisle. And you know some fuckwad's going to put it on Twitter or Facebook and you're going to see it before you have a chance to to recoil from it. I really do want to go in spoiler free. It's so hard now with social media because you're following... I follow some fan accounts on on, on Star Wars and sometimes they're putting up action figure prototypes. Fortunately, they're of characters you've already seen in the the trailers, but still. (laughs) I mean, I went gaga yesterday when the Korean trailer launched and, I mean, you only have one added shot, but man, it's like, fuck you. Yeah, that, that's even more. That That's a nanosecond I can add to Star Wars excitement uh, repertoire. I actually thought it was like a fan edit, just combining the teaser trailer and the second teaser trailer, because it was footage from both, and edited that, really well with the great musical cue and everything, and then like, yeah, the one new shot, and it's like, holy fuck. That one new shot, that's enough to just, you know, rock your, your social media feed, one new shot. But, you know, it's, it's interesting because reading about the news of this trailer launching, it's true, um, Abrams and company have been very careful about what's getting out there and we haven't got the kind of really explosive set leaks that you would from other big films so kudos to them in this day and age to to really keep things under wrap i can't imagine the contracts or the security that even the lowest underling working on this film has to endure on a daily basis probably the ndas that even kevin smith had to endure when he went to the set and jj abrams said here, just walk around the Millennium Falcon. It's got to be ridiculous. And it's going to pain you to a certain extent. Here's somebody I'm really cool with, but hey, by the way, you know, word of this gets out and you might not ever see your wife and kids again. Closest I came to something 
akin to that was touring Weta workshops when I was a guest at an anime convention uh, in Wellington, New Zealand, where their headquarters is. And Richard Taylor, the guy who won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects, is leading the tour of all the guests of the convention, showing us things from the two towers mere months before the theatrical release. And we did have to sign NDAs. We weren't allowed to take pictures of anything. We were seeing characters and props and miniatures and bigatures and all sorts of shit from two towers. And we were just like, our jaws, you couldn't pick them up off the floor. We're out of stories, which means we're out of time. Is that how that works? We run out of shit. Oh my God, look at the time. We have no more time to keep talking. We want to thank uh, our good friends, Alan S., Frank Chasm, Hero, Robert J., Saigoto, Trunks Chica, Tara Chihime, and others who have stopped by our chat, which uh, happens on Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Bookmark those times. Follow us at BB Broadcast so you can find out when exactly we go live so you can listen in as we record the show. It's not video, it's audio, but hey, close enough, right? And we have a dedicated chat room so you guys can uh, give us the live feedback as we record. We really, really love having you uh, participate. So, until next time, this is Kyle Hebert. And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.